and Hacksaw Jim Duggan. And if you want to find out what's going on, check out Nostalgia Highway. Right, fellas? Right. Yeah. Give me a hole, guys. Hello! Coming to you from somewhere along the Ohio-West Virginia border, welcome, hitchhikers, to Nostalgia Highway, the movies you know from the guys you don't. We're the No Frills Movie Review Podcast, where we are bringing to you the Season 3 premiere of 2021, and it just so happens to be our 50th episode. Big 5-0. We're over the hill. We are over the hill. We have made it. Yep. Ready for hot flashes and going through the change. Man, a pause. Man, a pause. Yeah, there you go. So, let's raise a glass for a toast to our official 50th episode and to also hoping that 2021 will be far better in any capacity than 2020. Just want to say, so far, we're not off to a great start, but we have 339 days left, so we have plenty of time to right the ship. So, bottoms up. It's going pretty good so far for me. <laughs> Not too bad. No. I've seen a lot worse years come out, so. All that listeners don't want to hear us, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> but I am your host, the Mayor Matt Logson, and joining me for episode 50 out here on the highway are my co-hosts who know if you turn the right corner in Basin City, you can find just about anything. I'm Dave King of the Road. And I am the Lord Ketchum. Okay, Hitchhikers, tonight we have, for review, Sin City, from 2005. A ripped-from-the-pages adaptation of four modernized crime-noir tales that focus on the violent corruption and crime that goes on in Basin, Sin City. Yeah. Proper. Very. So, spoilers, of course, as usual. We'll not get into everything, I'm sure, but we will definitely touch on plenty of things that will ruin certain things if you have not seen this movie. So that there's fact? that. That is a fact, Jack. It's 15 years old now, so it's yeah, stuck. That's crazy. That's just, I'm old. <laughs> it doesn't seem like a movie should be this old. Sin City is rated R with a runtime of two hours and four minutes theatrically. There was also a unrated recut of it, and that was two hours and twenty-seven minutes. It opened nationwide on April first, two thousand five, on an estimated forty million dollar budget, it grossed seventy-four million in the, in the U.S., and it grossed one hundred fifty-eight worldwide. But nice. you know, a brand new kind of adaptation of you know cinematography, so you know right. attention. Yep. IMDb has this as an 8 out of 10, Rotten Tomatoes, and an audience score of 77% and 78%, respectively. 
This movie's currently streaming nowhere for free, but you can rent it or buy it for two ninety nine on Amazon Prime. And it was just on Netflix and Tubi, if I'm not mistaken, not that long ago. So, oh. you know, man, that's check- that's in every five dollar bin in Walmart in America. You ain't gonna fight for it. Yeah, it might be moved down to the two dollar bin by now. I don't even. know. I was gonna say, yeah, I think they're in there like a three dollar bin or something yeah, now. I don't go to Walmart <laughs> too much. Yeah, they're practically giving DVDs. <laughs> yeah, <now>. they're the <laughs> discounting the discounted DVDs now. <laughs> yep. There's the three seventy four bin, and then there's the five dollar bin. Uh-huh. Nice. This movie's directed by Robert Rodriguez, Frank Miller, and a special guest director spot for Quentin Tarantino, of course, because Ro- Rodriguez and Tarantino are best buds. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I guess Robert Rodriguez, he stated that he didn't really consider this to be uh, an adaptation, but more of a translation uh, to Frank Miller's graphic novels, and that's why there's actually no screenwriting credit for the movie, and there's only just the mentioning of Frank Miller as being the creator of the graphic novels. Are either of you guys familiar with them? Have you guys ever read them? Know anything about them? Or are you just fan, you know, fan of the movie? I'm only aware of them because of the movie. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't aware of them up until the movie, and then uh, me too. Friend who bought a couple, and I just flipped through it. I never read it, but okay, okay, cool. I was just curious because, um, parent. I mean, obviously very popular and I'm sure they skyrocketed in popularity after this movie came out. So, um, I don't think this movie was a disservice to the comic. That's for sure. But I don't know. I haven't read the comics. So I've seen what, you know, like what pages, the panels, you know, the comics, I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty damn impressive. Yeah. Like you said, they did it proper. I think. Yeah. The, uh, the scene that Tarantino directed, which he did it for a dollar, by the way, um, was the scene where Dwight and Jackie Boy are in the car. And I love that scene. Um, good dialogue. It is. It's pretty cool. Really twisted, really dark. I guess Tarantino, he insisted that there was a real car built for the, the, for the shoot. And I guess Rodriguez was telling him, you know, it'd be easier to go without one. And they ended up shooting it the way Tarantino wanted to. And lo and behold... Well, Robert Rodriguez was correct, and they ended up uh, doing it that way, and uh, that's what we see in the final cut. Yeah, that was payback for uh, Rodriguez scoring Kill Bill Volume Two, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Fair trade. Nice. <laughs> oh yeah. Have your buddies help out. It just, it's yeah. just, it's nice to have buddies that are, you know, that damn impressive. You know, it's awesome. They've done a lot of work together. That's just fantastic. So, oh yeah, this movie has an all-star cast, but the main cast that's given here, um, we have Mickey Rourke as Marv, who's pretty much unrecognizable. Um, I don't know, man. I mean. I, I mean, do you think his makeup what was his makeup an improvement from the real thing? <laughs> I mean, because oh, Mickey, Probably. he's he's done he's done a he's done a job on himself. But um, I just I, thought I, this was Ron Perlman from Hellboy. I mean, that's oh, I yeah. 
There you go. Yeah. What it looks like. No, but the uh, Marv, he's a bad motherfucker in this though, for real. We got Clive Owen as Dwight. Uh, Bruce Willis as Hardigan. Jessica Alba as Nancy and Benicio del Toro as Jackie Boy. (laughs) Whatever happened to Clive Owen? I mean, back around when like when this came out and even before, I mean, he was kind of a hot ticket item there in the 2000s. And I mean, I know he's still working, but he's just kind of seems like he's just kind of disappeared in a way. I don't know what's happened to him. Uh, I mean, the last thing I saw him in that I think was like, you know, a kind of a big movie where they were, they, you know, they promoted was that, uh, what was it? Shoot him up with Paul Giamatti. Do you guys remember the movie with Clive Owen? It starred Jodie Foster and Denzel Washington. Um, Clive Owen's a, they're like a bank robbery. Is a bank robbery. The, and- um, the, not the bank job. I, uh, I have, I have this movie too. It's really good. That's the last movie I saw him in, actually. The Inside Man. Inside Man, yeah. That's good shit. Yeah, that's a good movie. I enjoyed that. So, Bruce Willis, I think he's awesome as Hardigan. He's perfect. Um, And much like Hardigan, I, too, have an inner narration in my day-to-day life. Uh, (laughs) What about you guys? This whole movie is an inner narration. (laughs) Right. I don't know. Just for whatever reason... Hardigan's character, Bruce Willis's delivery, uh, outside of Marv's, but Marv is so almost non-human. It's like I don't feel like you can really relate to someone like him, whereas you can relate to Hardigan's character. His his inner narration, I don't know. It speaks to me. And yeah, uh, I have a come to Jesus moments all the time where I'm like, "Get up, old man! Quit griping about your damn knees," you know? Right. Inside yep. voice shit. Absolutely. Yep. I was just wondering because I definitely do every day. Something will happen. And be like, why? Why did you do that? Why did you do that? Well, that was stupid, you know. Or, come on, you did this to yourself, you know. <laughs> yeah. So I want to talk a couple of the uh, other cast because, like you said, Lord, I mean, star-studded cast, top to bottom. I mean, there's many of them are kind of relegated to almost cameos to a certain extent, but they're still key characters. Powers Booth, Rutger Hauer. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Um, One, for me, and I I think honestly, I think he is easily the worst casting choice in this movie, was Michael Madsen as Bob. Uh, I I liked his role. His lines seem so mailed in. Like it, it seemed like he was in a bad stage play or something. I mean, you. I mean, uh, he ended up getting the part as an afterthought because basically, uh, he. I guess they were all hanging out and Madsen. I mean, he he did the Kill Bill movies, and I don't know if that was before or after this, but they're they're all in that same bunch. And I guess Madsen asked Rodriguez like. Well, why don't I have a part in a movie? And I guess Bob hadn't been cast yet, so he's like, "Well, here you can be Bob." And I, it just seems so mailed in. I, I, I don't know. I, I thought he was awful, in my personal opinion. Right on. I thought he did a pretty good job. Do you guys know how many times he shot Hogan? Is it six times? We'll say twelve. 
It's not six. It was nah. eight. Eight? Eight. <laughs> Oregon's a tough son of a bitch, man. Um, two of my 90s crushes, Carla Gugino is Lucille. I mean, since I saw her in Son-in-Law, I mean, I've been ate up with her. And then, of course, Jessica Alba. Uh, first thing I saw her in was Idle Hands and just awesome eye candy oh, back in those days. Oh, both of them are. Yeah, you finally get yeah. to see the goods from uh, with, from uh, Lucille's character, too, you know. Um, Elijah Wood is one creepy-ass dude in this movie, but he is – he's awesome. And he's slowly – Elijah Wood is, like, really – creeping up the ranks for me as far as uh as an actor uh, m- mostly in the horror genre which is really surprising but i mean he's a producer he writes he he acts i mean um he's pretty good i didn't care for that latest one he did uh what was it called something daddy come to daddy come to that's daddy it's a, uh... a weird one it's a weird one but i enjoyed it it was weird i guess i had expectations higher than what it amounted to, but yeah, yeah I like him just awesome. about everything else. Yeah, I just maniac. saw. I did enjoy that performance. That's honestly, I think that performance was the first movie where I was just kind of like, "Oh wow, well, yeah. I didn't really expect that," you know. But I just watched a movie with him and Nicolas Cage called The Trust, and they're cops and they're crooked. And they're trying to pull off a heist, and it's it's a dark comedy. And Nick Cage is Nick Cage mm-hmm. in it, and uh, it's entertaining. It's not like a great movie by any means, but it was highly entertaining. I thought it was a really interesting pairing of those two, but I enjoyed it. Um, I think it's on Tubi if you want to check it out. But did you guys ever watch Elijah Wood and uh, Wilfred? I loved Wilfred. That show was awesome. Yeah, weird, but it was awesome. Very funny. Off the charts, when you know genres and everything. He's a really good actor. I think he has the best role in this movie, to be honest. Really interesting. Okay, Um, it's intriguing. Yeah, didn't say a word the entire time. I mean, but you just. You're creeped out by him, you know, when when otherwise you really wouldn't be creeped out by this guy, you know. But uh, another one um, that I truly enjoy and I almost everything I ever seen him in I enjoyed uh, was Michael Clark Duncan and uh, just another another one gone way too soon. And for being such a large man with this thunderous voice. I mean, in real life, he he was just this teddy bear, and he was such an except an exceptional actor. And uh, I really miss uh, seeing him in movies because he he was he was a fun one. He was nominated for an Oscar, wasn't he? Yeah, Green Mile, easily his best performance ever. But yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't know. I liked him in Armageddon. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yep. Fair. And also, we get Brittany Murphy. You know. Who died way too young as well, along with yeah. Michael. Um, she she had, I guess, smaller ish role, you know, for this movie, but she is a focal point at least the beginning yep. of stories. And um, 
She was able to swap her shit in one day for this movie. Wow. It's really cool. Um, yeah. Order. She was good, too. This movie, you know, a lot of the uh, actors weren't even paired up to, like, shoot together or anything like that. They were they shot individual scenes, and then the production team assembled it all together. A lot oh, of time, wow. they weren't even with that other actors. That's crazy. Because you'd never, you'd never know. Yeah. That's awesome. That's so cool. Movie magic, man. I love it. So I have some uh, fantasy booking names that almost had the roles that or they were considered. Um, here's some of the most notable ones. Uh, Christopher Walken, Willem Dafoe, Steve Buscemi, and Michael Douglas were all offered roles. Uh, Douglas was offered the role of Hardigan. I could see that. Uh, Bashimi was offered the part of Rourke Jr. after he, he became the Yellow Bastard. Oh, and so Willem Dafoe... Yeah, I, I could totally see that, too. And uh, Willem Dafoe and Christopher Walken were offered the role of Senator Rourke. But I could see Dafoe being the Yellow Bastard, too. Yeah. Anybody besides Nick Stahl. It was fine. It was fine. But it wasn't, like, great. I even heard Leonardo DiCaprio uh, was offered the role of Rourke. Yes. And um, he, he turned, turned it. Which sucks, because, man, he'd been killer. Yeah, but it's such it was such a small role, you know? Um, well, that's what this movie is. It's Most of it's right. filled with roles, you know? It's an all-star assembly, and I don't know. I figured... I pulled one piece of that. Also got here that uh, Adrian Brody auditioned for Jackie Boy. Robert Rodriguez wanted Johnny Depp to play Jackie Boy. Totally could see that, but he couldn't because he had prior commitments. Anthony Michael Hall was considered for Dwight. Uma Thurman, Sarah Jessica Parker, Ashley Judd, Carrie Ann Moss, and Naomi Watts were all considered to play Lucille before Carla Gugino, Gugino, Gugino. I don't hate say her last name, um, but yeah, they were all offered the part before she was cast, hmm. and that's all I got. Some big names there. She was in that movie, uh, The Righteous Kill, with uh, De Niro and Pacino. Yeah, getting that role too. Yeah, she's been in a lot of stuff. She was in the Jet Li movie, The One. I like that movie. So this is. I think it's a straight rip from Pages uh, look because when I did, when my friends bought that book and I flipped through it, I reckon a lot of the scenes were just straight rip from the book and everything. Um, but man, this is a visually stunning um, movie. I guess I'm a Frank Miller lover because, man, this movie, 300, is just shot. Awesome. You know, um, I really dig the style, and this movie was like the one of the very first, if not the first movie, to be shot completely behind a green screen um, or in front of a green screen. So, you know, everything about it is all CGI and everything. I, I do believe they brought in some cars and, you know, shot it old-timey like that, you know, where the, the actor's sitting in a car, but everything behind it is it's just... Yeah, green screen. Well, now I do have. Um, they, you are right. This was the 
vast majority of this movie was filmed in front of a green screen, but there were four practical sets that were built for the movie. Hardigan's jail cell was one, Katie's bar was another, Shelley's apartment, and then finally the hospital that we see in the epilogue. Mm. But yes, you are correct. Uh, almost all complete green screen, four practical sets. That's that's crazy. I mean, it's it's unheard of. This whole movie feels inspired by like Dick Tracy to me. The fuck, yeah, Warren Beatty, Dick Tracy. And in fact, I would love to see that one redone in this format. <laughs> but it's just me. It's like Maltese. Dick Tracy modernized. Yeah. Yeah. Film noir, crime thriller type. Yeah. I'll tell you, I've always been fascinated by the visuals that we get in this movie. I mean, it is literally the closest thing that I think you will ever get to seeing a live action black and white comic book, you know, on screen without using just animation and full on CGI, you know, with actors and stuff, kind of like the movie. What was it? A scanner darkly. Did you ever see that? Either one of you too far out for me. I didn't really like that. It was weird. It's a weird movie. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's to me, it it is still, it was, and still is one of the most impressive and eye catching movies. I think I've ever seen. It just pops. I feel like there should have been more stuff done in this format. Like, I I could fantasy book a bunch of different things in this style sure. that would be cool. The Crow. I would love to see The Crow oh. in this style. Oh, yeah. But because, that's a comic book, too, you know, the movie. Right. So. A lot of people have asked for that. Yeah, it'd be cool. Adapted that's this one. That would totally work. I know they did um, – they had the sequel for this, but they also did a movie – what was it called? The uh, – Oh, um, there's another, the spirit. That's it. Yes. Uh, yeah. I never, I never seen it. it I heard, I didn't hear good things not good at all, but I think that's it. That's really been filmed like this. Right. I mean, I can't really recall any other movies that did it like this. And well, yeah. but that was colorized. Right. But it's the exact yeah. principle. Okay. It's just colorized. Yeah. You know? That splatter and all that shit's the exact same. I don't know. It's a unique yeah. look, and I like it. And I just I feel like it's it's been abandoned prematurely. <laughs> no, it sucks you in. Like I said, I mean, it is it's super impressive. It really is. Yeah. Um, well, I guess. Oh, go ahead. It seems like it's it's only Frank Miller's shit that gets yeah. shot. So. You know, maybe he has rights to it or something like that. I don't know. The style? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know, man. I think you can copyright or trademark just about anything. I mean, it is 2021 now, guys. Oh, shit. <laughs> it's, not, it's not even good there. Uh, but um, I guess uh, the look of the white blood that they uh, wanted to get was really hard to achieve on screen. So, um, what they had to do was they had to use a fluorescent red liquid and then they bathed it in a black light. And then during post-production, the liquid was turned white. Mm-hmm. And I guess they tried using regular movie blood, but it couldn't provide the look that they wanted. But pretty cool, super cool stuff. Like I said, just visually stunning stuff. 
and it just pops. Yeah, when they decided when they used the white blood, it it, it was perfectly timed. And then when they wanted to use real blood, it was just you know perfectly timed. When they you know, like like perfect example is when uh, Miho cuts Jackie Boy up, and yeah, Eck and it just splatters on her. It's all red, you know. Yeah. It went white, you know. But yeah, when they utilize that, if it, it works really well for this movie. Were the rest of you kind of confused on what the thematic reason was for using color? I mean, it really didn't have. And to give on reason to what has color, who's you know, all oh, uh, white and who's flesh tone and whatever. Just like certain moments, like with Goldie's hair or like red lips or like yeah. the highlights of eye. I think it was just to make maybe break up some of the monotony, just to give something that just pops on the screen. It just maybe it was just you know the shot. It was just it's something that looked right. I don't know. Yeah, it looked cool. I just felt like is there something I'm supposed to be. Uh, that makes this relevant. <laughs> that, oh, uh, I got you. I got you. I understand. Is there a, yeah. a theme to color? It's just a thing, dude. Um, you know, like at the beginning when, with uh, Josh Hartnett, Hartnett's character, uh, when he lights the lighter up you know, to her to her face and then her eyes shift from the black and white to a uh, uh, beautiful green, you know. Yeah. It's, it's just playing with colors man in that movie you know that lacks color oh so. yeah i liked it i don't have any fault of it yeah no nah, i liked it a lot this is super cool and fascinating way i don't know groundbreaking can we say is it really groundbreaking way to film a movie graphic novel what about our favorite scenes do you guys have a, a scene that stands out to you for that movie i have a couple I got the, I love the Marv and the and the um, um, Elijah Wood scene when yeah yeah shit, when the dog comes up when the wolves actually come up and eat man that shit is fucking crazy and, and of course that leading to the um, Rutger Hauer scene with right that's eerie scenes I in in for this movie. Um, Man, Rutger Hauer for such a small role, he fucking kills it. And that's another scene where none of the actors were even there together. Uh, really? Wow. For the, together, so that's cool. They they, show, they knew what they were doing, had a vision, and they executed it properly. So, but there's another scene that really it stood out, and I always it struck me as funny. And I don't know what this character's name is called. I couldn't figure it out, but I'm I'm referring to him as the cloned young version of Joe Pantoliano from The Matrix, where it's he gets the arrow shot through him by Miho. Yeah. yeah, I I don't know. I just found that hilarious. Just so funny. The dude's such a schmuck. But yeah. what you guys? I, I had a, I had a Miho scene that was one of my favorites where where she makes a Pez dispenser out of the dude. Yes, and I love Dwight's narration of that. Yes. How he describes it, it's perfect. It's so perfect. It's yeah, the inner narration in this movie is is phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. From everyone that you get from Dwight, from Marv, from Hardigan, I mean, it's it's all good. Yeah, Dwight says she didn't quite. Dec- decapitate him she made a pez dispenser out of him <laughs> yeah it's just brutal yeah. brutal brutal stuff yeah nobody needs help with that description 
Oh man. Give Del Toro credit for when he was filming that scene, how he transitioned his voice to compensate for, you know, the wound being open to when to yes. Man, that's that takes a lot of talent, you know. Um to get that right and man, he, he yeah, he he fucking killed it. Well, and that was Tarantino's idea for uh Del Toro to do that. It only makes sense, man. But it, it's it's awesome. It's so cool. It's 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 a great scene. But um talking about our favorites, there's a one quote that I love and it's from Marv and uh it's I love Hitman. No matter what you do to him, you don't feel bad. <laughs> I love that line. It's hilarious. You guys got a favorite line or quote? I mean, there's plenty to choose from. So, did you guys pick up on any old Die Hard coming from Hardigan? You know, and he's like, "Never back." No, and and uh, uh, there's a few times when I was like, "Man, that's that's some uh, John McClane coming out." I, I I hear you. I I can I can definitely see where. Okay. I like John Hardigan. I like Hardigan's. Uh, you know, I take a weapon away his weapon, and he shoots his hand off, and he's like, Man, both, of them. "Both of them." Yep. Yeah. In that scene, in that in that role, would have been fucking crazy, you know? Right. Like Spoiled ass kid. Man, he been so good. Yeah, it it would have totally worked. Especially after seeing his performance in Django and Chain, because he kind of acts like a spoiled little brat in that movie, you know. So, True. just to, as a southern gentleman, you know. <laughs> but yeah, that'd been wild. So, Ketchum, you already said that you know you kind of hinted that uh, fucking Kevin was your favorite character, Elijah Wood's character. Uh, is is he your favorite in this movie? Yeah, really. So I have it ranked as Kevin, and then Marv, and then Hardigan. Nice characters, man. I love that shit. Nice. I I'd have to go Hardigan, Marv. I Cli- I don't know. I like Clive Owen in this. I I I thought he was good. He he was, and. Not necessarily, you would think, be the first choice, you know, for this. But, I mean, I don't know. I thought he held his own pretty well. And I I, I want to go with Dwight as my number three. Jackie Boy's... Cl- n- <clears throat> Jackie I, Boy's my number three. Boy is a character. I, yeah, he's a fucking douchebag. But, yeah, Del Toro kills it. Yeah. What about you, King? Uh, Marv's my favorite story arc. I love the Marv story. Marv's a badass man. I mean, you guys see him in the wrestler, Mickey Rourke. Yes, that Fuck is. Yeah, man. That might be my favorite Mickey Rourke performance. Yeah, he did a uh, WrestleMania match one time too. He came out right after he filmed the wrestler and did a angle with Chris Jericho and uh, who else was it? Ricky Steamboat, Ric Flair. They had, like, the Legends versus Jericho, and Jericho's beating her bay up, and then Mickey Rourke comes out of the audience and does, like, some 
some funny looking shit and knocks Jericho out and makes him look like a million bucks, even though he has no fucking business being in the ring in real life. But, huh, I didn't know yeah, about that. I wouldn't go back and rewatch it just online talking about it, but okay. it's a real thing that happened. Okay. Hey, while we're thinking on that, uh, check out our buddy Mike some Mike's at the Drive-By Wrestling Podcast. Do you like pro wrestling? Yeah. Are you tired of the same old recap podcast? Uh, duh. Do wrestling fans confuse you? More than you will ever know. Well, you're in luck. Join me, Mike J. And me, Mike S., every Saturday for the Drive-By Wrestling Podcast. Each week, we break down the ups and downs of main roster WWE and try to explain online fan outrage. And of course, we have the Wednesday Night War between NXT and AEW covered from our unique viewpoints. That's the Drive-By Wrestling Podcast every Saturday on iTunes, Spotify, and everywhere podcasts are found. Still breaking hearts and breaking kayfabe. Uh, I guess that is what we say. It is. I would say probably my the favorite line of the whole movie for me would be um, actually when Dwight is in the bar talking about Marv and he's like, you know, the guy is born with bad luck or something, you know, he's born in the wrong century, you know. Yeah. Gladiator, you know, and or mm-hmm. you know, they would it's a perfect way to de- describe him too. Back in the day and shit and it's just it's just badass. I don't know, I really like that scene. Yeah, he's, he's like something pulled out of Game of Thrones. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, I mean, Mickey Rourke is actually fucking short, so he's only like nine. He's my height, you know, but he's supposed to portray like a seven foot fucking person. Oh, they, they make him into a badass. I mean, makes him look like he's like a Hulk. Like I said, he reminded me of Hellboy. He just had that same kind of yeah square, you know, squared off look like that. No, I got that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I like how he's always popping pills. In the- yeah. <laughs> he's just pouring them into his mouth. I, like, I didn't. I forgot to take my meds again. <laughs> Why did you stop taking your meds? You know, he's fucking taking them. I don't think they're doing any good. Well, I mean, look at the circumstances, man. He's <laughs> surrounded by... All this shit, dude, you know, <laughs> he's a target. I love Marv's line where he's talking to Lucille. He's like, these are the good old days, man, the bad days, the all or nothing days. They're back and there's no choices left and I'm ready for war. I, that's a good line, too. I like that one a lot. Marv has. You could tell like, you could tell she was scared at that moment, you know, a little bit. Yeah, she knew, like, oh, well, apparently I'm just not going to reach him. <laughs> He's a lost cause. But, yeah, that's, yeah, Marv is a pretty cool character in this. I'll tell, you what, I'll tell you what the best Marv quote was. Okay. Hell, hell is waking up every goddamn morning and not knowing why you're here. That is a perfect reflection on my yeah. quarantine experience in 2020. <laughs> gin, gin. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I got some uh, behind-the-scenes stuff here I'm going to toss out here, and feel free to 
chime in whenever you want. Robert Rodriguez was determined to secure a co-directing credit for Frank Miller, as he didn't feel right taking all the credit himself, but the Directors Guild of America wouldn't allow it. So, Rodriguez ended up resigning from the Guild before shooting began, and that ensured that Miller would be credited uh, at, for his work. And uh, Rodriguez's resignation from the DGA forced him to pull out a directing John Carter, which at the time was named a Princess of Mars after the book it was based upon. And, uh, and that was what he was planning on shooting after he finished up here with Sin City. I don't think I, I don't think a Rod Rodriguez, John Carter. I don't know that. I don't think I don't see that clicking too well, to be honest. I'm glad that the chain of events happened this way, you know. So, yeah, I mean, he really went to bat for Frank Miller. I mean, you could just tell. I mean, there's a tremendous amount of respect for this man from Robert Rodriguez. So, um, that's that's cool. But I, I I can't help to think that the movie that we ended up getting, which I didn't end up seeing because it doesn't interest me. I think it would have been wildly different if Rodriguez Rodriguez would have helmed the project. Oh yeah. Oscar winning composer Hans Zimmer turned down the chance to compose the score, but he did recommend a couple of friends to Rodriguez, which was Graham Ravel and John Debney and suggested that he hired them instead, which Rodriguez did. And it's a cool score. I like it. Yeah, it's a good decision. Recommendation. I mean, you can't go wrong with Hans Zimmer, but I mean, this is a cool Graham Ravel, I mean, he he's put out some good, you know, good scores for a lot of movies. And I mean, this is one of them. It stands out. I mean, it, it totally it fits perfectly with what this movie I mean, how how you were talking about Dave, like making it feel like an old crime, you know, thirties, forties crime detective movie, and totally out of the park, nailed it. Yeah. No, yeah. this score didn't suck. I mean, it wasn't something I jumped right to the, you know, Spotify or whatever and tried to look up to <laughs> listen to. But I mean, it fit the movie perfectly, and there's nothing wrong with it. Right. Yeah, it serves it perfectly. I agree. Uh, Frank Miller was the priest that Marv kills in the confession booth. That's cool. Je- Jessica Alba had a long-standing policy against doing nude scenes, apparently. And that and her- sucks. <laughs> and her reasoning was, get this, she doesn't want her grandparents to see her naked because it would make Christmas awkward. <laughs> but since... She- Rod- Go ahead. She ain't wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but since Rodriguez and Frank Miller, they didn't think nudity would really add or you know anything to the story. They didn't mind nixing the nude scenes with her, and she totally pulled off playing a stripper without taking any clothes off. I call bullshit on them thinking that this wouldn't add anything because I guarantee <laughs> this would have raised my rating probably a whole point if she did if she'd have bared her breasts. Like appropriately, like really proper, nice, you know. What if you just got her butt? What if you just seen the butt? Nope, not enough. Not enough. Okay. We're talking. We're talking raising the whole point here, Matt. Not. Uh, we're not grasping for straws here. <laughs> I'm just asking, man. Yeah, enough. <laughs> I suppose if you're a butt man, I mean, I guess. Oh man. I'm and boob like, man. Boob. Yeah, I'm a boob guy. I'm a boob guy. 
And this movie has a body count of 41, and that includes the unrated recut. Now, this doesn't include deaths that occurred off-screen, but then resulted in on-screen corpses. So, pretty high uh, kill count. Yeah. And uh, that's all I got. I didn't Jer- remember the... Uh, since we're since you're talking about the unrated recut, uh, I don't remember a difference in death count. Did, did you say there's more? Yeah, because of the all, unrated version. All I had—that's the only count I got—and it oh, just okay. had the tagline with it that the unrated recut was included with that. Yeah. So well, it's longer. It probably has a couple more kills in it. I don't remember I, them specifically, but yeah. But so, I do remember specifically that the unrated recut is a just a wildly different uh, viewing experience of this movie. And so I you, you guys saw it. So you watched the unrated recut for this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually okay. watched it uh, as my first watch after not seeing this in you know ten or so years, and I was like, "Wow, this isn't the movie I remember." So you know, it was it was just a different experience altogether. And then watching the theatrical cut after I saw it, I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah." I mean, it's it's the same movie. It's just the the the, uh, the recut completely anthologies it i mean it makes it you know into five segments right. five whatever however many i think four. it's four yeah four okay okay yeah. yeah yeah there's the hard goodbye that yellow bastard the big fat kill and the customer's always right okay so how did you watch this catch did you watch the theatrical or the recut i think i've only seen the theatrical i went theaters see this twice uh, oh wow! So uh, outside of that, but uh, uh, no, nah, I don't think I've ever seen the uh, extended cut. I haven't. I've only seen the theatrical, but um, I it guess makes it, it makes it feel a lot different when you see each segment completely run its length from beginning to end, rather than have it broken up, you know, jumping around. Yeah, it's it's it takes a classic Tarantino fucking you know style incorporates it you know yeah it does yeah which i like so that's why i think if i had to pick which one is better the theatrical cut is the recommended version to watch but okay it's a cool it's a cool rewatch if you're if you're a fan and you've never seen the unrated recut it's worth seeing okay so okay you 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 brought it up and this was a question i wanted to ask you guys you know uh the unrated recut aside just the theatrical cut did you guys ever consider this to be an anthology movie no 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 because no. i never did either until i did this rewatch and it kind of occurred to me oh it's it, a, it could be just it's a sin. It's a cineverse. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> going. Uh, I don't know. I think of it as a like a. I know it's Rodriguez, but they so much influence, influential things about coming from Tarantino and shit. You know, so it's a Tarantino thing. I mean, it's just like saying uh, Pulp Fiction is an anthology. I mean, it's right. not. But it's I mean, not. if you really want to get technical about it, it does. You know, have different stories that intertwine and i guess yeah i guess it's just how you look at it because i never did like i said before this and you just 
doing a little bit of looking into what the unrated recut was all about and just what you told me about it, Dave, it it was like, well, it's kind of making it like it's anthological, you know? Can you say the theatrical cut is the better way to go in oh, your yeah. personal opinion? Okay. Yeah. yeah, the recut's just for, you know. <laughs> Hardcore fans? Yeah. Want that, they the, want the yeah. deep dive? The purists. Oh. Okay. In any way, the, the recut is a much better watch than what you're going to get out of the sequel. So <clears throat> we'll get into that, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, let's just go right into it. I saw it, I think, once, only once. It was not that good. Um, but there was one segment that I really liked. Um, it had Joseph Gordon-Levitt as, uh, as he's a gambler. Um, and it, it, I like that story because I enjoyed Powers Booth's um, take in, in the first one, even though it was very, you got a small sample size. And the, it, it, the, that story in the sequel, he's more of a part of it and everything. So I wanted to see that. Um, and, I'm, and I like to play poker. Um, but th- that's the only really thing I remember from that movie um, that was worth anything. Uh, I know that the Dwight character, he, he had a face change and shit. Yeah, and, he's Josh Brolin now, which is, I mean, Josh yeah. Brolin's good, man. I mean, right. it's, it's weird because he's, Dwight is Clive Owen to me. And that's the, I'm with you, Lord. I've only seen the sequel one time. And I mean, it, it was inferior to this one. But I mean, I, I don't know. It, it still had a good cast. It was entertaining enough. Um, of the original cast, the only ones that returned was, um, like you said, uh, Powers Booth, Bruce Willis, Mickey Rourke, Jessica Alba, Rosario Dawson, and Jamie King. And, um, but yeah, I mean, it, I don't know. It was fine. I don't need to. I don't need to see it again because I, it's this movie. This this is where it's at for me, you know, and and not being a fan of the graphic novels and I, to me, just as as a standalone movie, this is it's just it's I don't know, it's just something super unique and just really eye catching and like yeah. again with a cast like this, I mean. Psh, it's How can you say. go wrong? Right, yeah, yeah. What about you, King? What do you got on the sequel? I mean, I'd rather sit and listen to a Borat's Greatest Hits CD than I would <laughs> watch the sequel to this. I'd rather do that all day long. <laughs> I mean, this is, this is stupid. The sequel sucked. You didn't like anything of it? Josh Brolin was all right. Huh. See, that was like my least favorite part, you know? Oh, I think he's the best actor in it, but maybe Ooh. his character didn't impress you. But I mean, Powers Booth is in the second one. Powers Booth's in it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. See, man, the, the second one just sucked. I don't know. I didn't even pay attention to half of it because I was annoyed with it in the first half hour. Yeah. I watched it. I just didn't like it. The big thing for me is just. Josh Brolin is Dwight, you know, and I understand they give, you know, reason and it's okay. I mean, we've been given flimsier reasons in other movies and we accept it. Yeah. They mentioned it in the first movie that he alters his face and shit and he's right. before and I don't It sounds like I I don't know, I might be the high man on this one, but I'm a, I'm all no. I'm like at a 6. 
on that one. Maybe a six yeah. and a half. I don't know. Like I said, it was a one-time watch. I don't know how you could call something a one-time watch a six or a six and a half. Oh, I do. It happens. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're not exactly unicorns, but they're not super common. <laughs> I can recognize that a movie was well done, and I can appreciate what was you know, being shown to me, but if it's something I just don't really connect with... I mean, yeah, I mean, it's going to suffer because of that, but I can still recognize and, you know, respect what they tried doing, if it's done well. Yeah. Okay. It was for of the graphic novels and shit, you know. And, it, it, I mean, it made good money in the box office first time around, so. And, and they oh, were yeah. able to bring back a decent amount of the cast, you know. If you think yeah. Died, you know, in the main cast <laughs> in the first one. Right. So. It just seems so weird that they waited almost ten years to come out with this one. I really thought that they would try to do something sooner than that. Yeah, that's the success of the first. Between this sequel and the Spirit, that's what killed these kind of movies because they just weren't. I don't know. They weren't effective enough, in my opinion. You might have just cracked the code, Dare King. Honestly. That wasn't any rocket science I did. I mean, that's just... Well, no, but, fact. I mean... Yeah. Maybe, maybe Hollywood just thinks this was just it was a one-trick pony. Yeah. Mm. I just I think they know. used the trick in the wrong ways <laughs> after that, so... I hear you. Yeah, Spirit is not a good story, so... And Sam L. Jackson was in that movie, and it's one of his worst roles he's ever done. So. And it was... Below snakes on a plane, I think. I like snakes on a plane a lot better than <laughs> snakes on a plane. Is just it's just a mindless watch. I don't know. It's it's whatever. Like watching Sharknado. I think better. it's a little bit better. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I think you're just a uh, Sharknado hater. <laughs> well, it's just it's not good, man. It's man, not good at it's all. It's supposed to be. <laughs> oh man. All right, guys. Well, we have uh, anything else you want to add in here? Any input, questions, fantasy bookings, complaints? No, you don't. You don't want to start on that, pal. Complaints? No. Yeah. All right. Complaints department is closed in 2021. <laughs> Until further notice. <laughs> it was novels out for cheap. I'd buy them. I think. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. Read one. You could just nick a PDF off the internet if you wanted to, probably. Yeah, I'm a physical yeah. media. Well, yeah, yeah come just, on. <laughs> I'm just talking if you really wanted to see it without going I to all that trouble. I like having a, the book in my hands. So. Oh, I feel that, yeah. All right, well, we're going to do something a little different. I'm going to go first with my rating and my wrap-up here. Hey. So... All right, even though I haven't read any of the graphic novels from Frank Miller, when this movie was coming out and I saw a preview of it for the first time, I just I knew I had to see it. Never before has there been a movie that could boast an all-star cast like this with these amazing special effects and visuals to give us this live-action comic book movie in the form of an actual comic book. And it's just... It's it's so impressive. For the first time ever, you know, you you got to see something like that, and it was believable. Um, 
I had fun with this from the first time I rented it from Hollywood Video. Google it, youngsters. And uh, <laughs> it, it never fails to deliver upon a rewatch. Uh, the all-around delivery from Rodriguez, I love it. I love this cast, except Michael Madsen, but that's minor. That's a nitpick of mine. And, uh, yeah, it's perfect for a colorblind fellow like myself. That is true. I never thought of it that way. <laughs> but uh, it's... You up it, when they started in, incorporating color? Oh, no. I was just like, I was like ooh, well, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> But they then Matt's the primary like, colors, and it was okay. But then Matt's like, why are they calling him the yellow man? He's green. <laughs> no, I knew he was yellow because <laughs> they told me he was yellow. <laughs> That's the only reason you knew. And if I think on it long enough, I could see the yellow. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I mean, this is just loaded with tons of action-packed scenes. There's plenty of interesting characters due to top-notch performances by the cast and uh, the stunning visuals galore. This I, I, I I'm kind of high on this one because it, it it's I like I said never before have you seen something like this. I'm at an eight and a half out of ten. That's that's respectable, I think. I, mean, I really enjoy this movie. You know. Uh, Again, you get this cast, you get the subject matter, which interests me, and you're presenting it to me in such a fashion that I've never seen, that nobody's ever seen before. Yeah, you got me. You know, well done, well played, and super good, super fun movie. I own it. Yeah. Classic. Yeah. Yeah, it really turned the tide of how movies were thought of, you know, how to make movies, you know, really stretch the imagination. And I think it led away, you know, kind of, of how, um, Marvel movies even shoot their movies today in certain scenes and everything, you know, with all the, the, the background green screen and everything like that. So it was definitely a stepping stone for sure. Yeah. I don't, uh, I don't like, I don't like to do this, but Matt, you, you, you got my rating too. That's a uh, 8.5 for me. Oh yeah. Okay. I, I was, I was like, shit. Matt's calling the same number I wanted, but I guess I'll have to. I can't. <laughs> I can't change my number because you said it. So that's that's what I'm at. Eight point five. It's, it's right there in the wheelhouse. I mean, IMDb's yeah. got it at an eight. Rotten Tomatoes is what seventy-seven, seventy-eight percent. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great movie. I absolutely recommend it. If nobody's seen it. Yeah. But we true. just we just told you what happened if you haven't seen it. So. So what sequel at Dave? Dave? Oh, dude, don't even get me started. You don't want to know. <laughs> do I do want to know? It's down there, bro. It's, it's, is it under a four? It's it's in that fucking pro wrestler versus zombies territory. I mean, Uh-oh. just shot. You know, I mean, it's you got to give it something just for that. You know, yeah, I mean, it's it's really low. It's like Psycho Cop low. <laughs> Five? No, below that. Oh. I mean. Come on, man. <laughs> it doesn't deserve a rating. I'm not going to give it that time of day. I'm not even going to dignify that with a response. Nah, you can all just <laughs> take my word on it. It's not worth seeing. As we said before, this movie is a groundbreaking film, um, just from how it was shot. The plethora of names that you get for this movie, it's kind of hard not to succeed, you know. 
And then you got two great minds of Rodriguez and a very influential, you know, Quentin Tarantino with the, with the, the fantastic mind of Frank Miller, who I just, I guess I'm just a sucker for his movies though. You know, just the way he shoots it cinematog- cinematically. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm a smidge ahead of you guys. I think this movie is a nine out of ten. Um, I highly recommend it. Okay. Hell yeah. End of this movie. I mean, you'll love the sequel as well. Mm-hmm. Not as much, but um. You said you'll love the sequel though. Yeah, if you're a real like graphic novel lover fan, yeah, I hear you. You're gonna you're gonna love the sequel as well. Minus maybe some of the um, the casting that they did. I, I'm not a big fan of Josh Brolin's character in that movie. Um, but and the the I guess I didn't like how they changed Jessica Alba's character. I mean, she kind of went rogue. I guess you know she she's a lot different than she was in the first one. I guess I didn't really care for that either. But um, anyway, I have this movie. I don't know. You'll love it, but you'll love it. You said. If you are a true lover of graphic novels. <laughs> oh, so I'm not a true lover of graphic novels, is what you're saying. Of the Sin City graphic novels. Oh, okay. No. I mean, have you read them? No. Well, then you're not a lover. <laughs> hey, he's a he's a fighter. You're saying. <laughs> Listen, he's a in, fighter this day, like in this day and age, I can have an opinion without any fucking knowledge about something if I want to, and it's perfectly okay. Okay. You test that. That, that is accurate. That is accurate. Unfortunately, <laughs> <laughs> not that your opinion. Yeah, it's just <laughs> you don't have to know shit. You can just have an opinion, and it's yeah. accepted. Have you ever rated a movie that you haven't watched? Um, I've rated a movie that I've watched uh, more than half of, and realized that it was a fucking turd. <laughs> That's acceptable. Yeah, I won't. I mean, if I've if I've never even given it a legitimate attempt to watch, I won't rate it. Yeah, yeah, right. On. And I'm talking oh, about a movie that I skimmed through the last half of, you know, just to see how it ended because I was totally uninvested by the halfway point, and I was like, all right, just fucking tell me how this thing ends, and we'll, we'll call it a day, boys. Right. <laughs> I can't even remember the name of the movie, but it was one I watched there last year. It was terrible. Well, this gets the stamp. Gets oh, the NAB yeah. stamp. True. Starting off the new year with the stamp of approval. Oh yeah. All right. Well, things are looking on the up and up uh, with each passing moment. So, like I said, fingers crossed. We're moving in the right direction. Ending on a positive note. <laughs> All right, hitchhikers. Make sure you check out our friends Justin Ramsey and Aaron Scaletta over at the Raised in Horror, the Psycho Siblings podcast, where they review all things horror all the time. Uh, back on the 14th, they reviewed John Carpenter's The Thing, which we also reviewed uh, close to a year ago. Uh, I recommend checking that out. Also, check out that movie if you haven't seen it, because it's fucking incredible. Um, seen that movie. Two- you're living on a... Outpost in Antarctica. I mean, right. Well, here's the thing: if you're out in an outpost in Antarctica, you should know that you watch this movie when you're there. <laughs> yeah, that's the yeah. thing. No reason. It's a rite of passage. Dems de Rose. <laughs> <laughs> 
But uh, in two days' time, they are going to review and release Maniac from 2012 that you just brought up, King, talking about Elijah Wood. So that's interesting. And on February 11th, coming up here soon, which is my birthday, uh, they're going to review the original 1982, My Bloody Valentine. So that'll be cool. I love that movie. I just bought the... uh, Special edition Blu-ray where you get the unrated cut and all the awesome gore scenes. And honestly, it's one of the best slashers from the 80s that never got a sequel. Such a unique setting. Love it. But uh, yeah, Hitchhikers, you got to give them a listen. You can follow them on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Raised in Horror. Find them now on your favorite podcasting app, Horror Movie Fans. All right, Hitchhikers, well, this concludes our review of Sin City from 2005. We hope you all enjoyed our breakdown of this modern action-packed classic. Be on the lookout for new announcements and updates on our Facebook page, Nostalgia Highway Podcast. You can email the show at nostalgiahighwaypodcast at gmail.com, and you can find us on Twitter at HighwayNHP. And for you Letterbox fans, you can check out the King's profile, Patriarch1979, and my own, Matlog16. And once again, all of us here want to give recognition and thanks to Sean Jackson and Cody Jones for the Nostalgia Highway podcast theme music they've composed. Uh, Lord, uh, something I want to ask you, man. Like, is there a name to this song? Is there a title to it? No, unless we want to give it one. It's the NHP theme. Yeah, well, it's... uh, Yeah, I feel like then we need to, like, ask... Well, we need to ask Sean and Cody if there is an actual name to it or not. And if there's not, I think we need to figure out a name. It's a mixture of three things, man, so... It's not so, 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 So is this podcast. It's a mixture of three things. A muddle, you know, so... I don't know. It's a mutt. Mutt, Yeah. yeah. It's a lovable mutt. <laughs> <laughs> On behalf of Day King of the Road and the Lord Ketchum, I am your host, the Mayor Matt Logson, and we thank you once again for hitching a ride along with us, and we'll pick you up next time out on the highway. Be on the lookout for new announcements and updates on our Facebook page, Nostalgia Highway Podcast. You can email the show at nostalgiahighwaypodcast at gmail.com, and you can find us on Twitter at Nostalgia Highway. Nope, that's not right. <clears throat> Wait, is and Twitter you, still a thing? Yeah, it is. It's okay. I I I heard seventy four thousand Americans cut it off. They're really. <laughs> I suppose there's still half of the country that likes it. I don't. Know. <laughs> I don't like Twitter. <laughs> I don't either. Let's find a different platform. And you can find us on Twitter at Nostalgia. Oh my God, I did it again. <laughs>